You're listening to Schooncast, a software engineer's journey from side hustle to tech entrepreneur. I'm your host, Dan Schoonmaker. Sitting down with Eric Ryan Jones. How's it going? It's going good, Dan. Thanks for having me, man. Really, really looking forward to today. My first ever podcast guest. <laughs> hey, number one. Yes. So now when, when we both blow up and our podcasts are super successful, we can look back on this and say we both launch each other's careers, right? Exactly. That's that's awesome. I guess we'll start by just giving a quick introduction about yourself. Because actually, sure. we, we haven't even really met that closely. No, we haven't. We've just uh, over messaging and everything. So uh, my name, as you mentioned, is Eric Ryan Jones. And yeah, I go by my full name because uh, I used to be a freelance developer and went just by Eric or Eric Jones. And it's surprisingly a very common name. And I actually had a client that confused me with another Eric Jones that was bidding on the same work. And that Eric Jones, of course, overbid on it. The proposal was very professional and I guess some words were exchanged. So when I reached out to follow up, his secretary or the person, I don't know who it was, was like not nice to me because they thought I was the other Eric Jones. Wow. I saw your message about that and I thought it was a joke just because your name was so common. But It is. It is. It's 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 very hard for someone with such a common name to have a story. So I'm, I guess I, I do not, I do other, not have that problem. Yes. You have a very, how do you print out your last name? It's Schoonmaker. Schoonmaker. Okay. Yeah. That's very cool. I like it. Excellent. So yeah, so I'm by day a consultant. Uh, also, uh, and then at night and on the weekends and any other free time, I'm working on building a podcast to help uh, give a voice to the unemployed, uh, basically looking to create a little humanity, I guess, in the hiring process. My story goes back to December of 2018, where literally a week before Christmas, I was fired. Well, not fired. I was downsized from a reorganization that happened in the IT department. And it was a small startup, so um, it was a pretty, pretty big deal for me. Uh, but the bigger thing was it was a week before Christmas. And um, we also were in the process of buying a new house. So uh, picture Monday, I, I lose my job. And by Wednesday, the house that we were looking to buy, the people we were looking to buy from were just not coming. They were not negotiating with us on some really important topics, i.e. mold in the house. So we had to back away. We had already met the due diligence on our our house. So that meant I couldn't back out of the contract without some serious penalties. So here I am jobless, uh, about to be homeless, and I haven't had to look for a job, seriously look for a job in over five years. And even then, uh, it's probably would have been a good 10 years because you know how it is with jobs. It's all about your network. It's all about who you know and everything. So it was a scary, crazy time, you know, but over the next three months, I got to meet a lot of really incredible people, uh, just both those that are looking for jobs, as well as those are looking to help people in their uh, quest to find a job. And it's like all these great stories, and you just never hear about them, you know, and having been a hiring manager, and someone that's been on that end of where I'm looking at resume after resume after resume, there's never anything out of that. It's a piece of paper with a bunch of words and anybody can write anything on those things. Yep. Yeah. But you don't learn anything about anybody. So I was always the kind of manager that was like, I didn't care how high up the chain I got, you know? So when I was at the startup, uh, right before I got let go, I was a, a quote unquote vice president, you know, of this, uh, 45 man startup. And, uh, even then I would do the first round interviews every single time. 
Nice. You know? And that was, so that was in the engineering department or? Yes, I was uh, head of product. So I ran the product group uh, and all of our, our process and procedures. So all of our agile transformation that we were doing with the group and our SDLC, I own the SDLC process. I own the product. I owned pretty much everything from idea to taking it to the developers and saying, here, build this. And then working with the builders to make sure that they built what the customers and everybody else wanted and everything. Cool. Very cool. Yeah, I'm a software engineer myself. Yeah, I wrote code for, oh, golly, probably 15, 20 years. Got started as a, a classic ASP developer and then moved into PHP and then moved into Cold Fusion and did Cold Fusion for a very long period of time there. But then I got tired of learning new languages. Yeah, it's it's hard to keep up with the yeah. ever evolving, especially yeah. if you're doing web stuff and yeah. moves fast. Oh, way too fast. I, I remember when um, Flex launched, Yep. you know, Flash was cool. Flex was supposed to be our savior, you know, Codify Flex. I mean, Codify Flash. And man, that was a beast. And that, that kind of what killed me, honestly, was Flex, trying to learn Flex and implement Flex. Yeah, I was just talking to someone about this on Twitter the other day, actually, because they're getting rid of Flash and Flex from, I know, I guess, Chrome support. I didn't realize, I guess, how many people actually implemented Flex. I looked into it. I was pretty much graduating college. Flex was just growing in popularity. And I didn't realize so many people had implemented it because shortly after the iPhone stopped supporting Flash. Yep. So um, yeah. I thought that was like the death of it. But I guess I guess there were and a lot of projects that migrate now. We've been trying to kill Flash since the day I was a developer. And I'm 44 years old right now. So I was in the thick, I was in the thick of the dot-com boom, the dot-com buzz, the dot-com, all that. So I, I've seen all the technologies growing. I remember when JavaScript was just JavaScript. <laughs> you know? An actual scripting language. An actual scripting language that couldn't do much, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's it's been a wild, wild ride. But I, I really still love it. You know, I still dabble. You know, I try to teach myself Ruby on Rails a little bit. Uh, try to play around with Python a little bit, you know, and I'll get in there and I'll I'll mess around with the code, but I've been out of it so long now um, that I'm just really, really happy to either partner with somebody or pay somebody to do it. So yep. to some degree, that ends up being more efficient, right? Someone else keep up with the ever-changing landscape. Yeah, being out of it so long too, I've just realized that I'm really bad at it. You know, I mean, I, I write some pretty bad code now. It's It'll make most people cringe. I think I am the literally the only person that I know that is able to was able to take down a Jenkins build server with a JavaScript change. No idea how it happened, but after they took my code out, Jenkins came back up and worked fine. They put my code in, Jenkins would crash. Uh, that's a little badge of honor I wear right there. Nice. So yeah, what, um, how your year between getting laid off in December, that was 2018, right? 2018. Yeah, it was three months. So from December 2018 to March of 2019 was just hustle for a job. You know, it was literally 50 to 100 um, job applications a day, which sounds like a lot. But when you think about how easy it is to apply for a job now, I mean, most of these places, Career Builder, Monster Hunter, all those kind of things, you just click some, you know, apply, apply, apply. So literally, you just open up 50 tabs, you go through it, and after about an hour to three hours, you flooded the market with it, you know. Um, so that's where it was. And then it was emails, it was follow-ups, it was battling the offshore recruiters, um, which I haven't found an offshore recruiter that I've actually enjoyed it. They're, they're just, it literally is a shotgun approach. I still get emails from offshore recruiters wanting me to write JavaScript or to write uh, SQL. And I'm like, did you look at my resume? You yeah. Know? 
Um, but yeah, it was a lot of first, first interviews too. A lot, a lot of first interviews. I'm sure that's where it gets hard is when you have to start doing the interview process of it. It is because the first time you get in there and you first start talking to people, you're, you're messing up. You're making stupid mistakes. You're saying the wrong thing. I mean, it really is practice, you know, and, and that's why I literally applied for everything. Uh, and I took whatever interview came in, whether I cared about the job or not. I at least took that first round interview so I could have that conversation and have that practice as it would be. Yeah. So you're around Atlanta, you said? I am. Yeah, I am. During those three months, we actually moved my entire family in with my wife's parents. So we moved to just outside of Jacksonville, Florida and lived in my uh, father-in-law's, let's see, one, two, three, four bedroom, two bath house with myself, my wife and my two little girls, a cat, partridge in a pear tree, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So yeah, that was, that was very fortunate that we had that because we didn't have a house. Yeah, yeah. And I couldn't get a house because no one would give me a loan because I didn't have a job. So it was, it was, it was a comical comedy of errors. It was so stressful. Yet I had to laugh every day, you know, just to where I was and what I was doing. Yeah. So were you interviewing for jobs in the Atlanta area? Yes. Yeah. I kept my Atlanta address. Uh, the people that bought our house were super nice and allowed me to keep the address so that way if any mail or any contact went out, I could still use it. And that allowed me to continue to apply to jobs in the Atlanta area and everything. And then I actually took a contracting gig uh, very briefly, only for about a month before taking on the current role I had with a company that was based in Destin was where I was contracted to. So I would leave Monday, Sunday night, drive to Destin, um, hang out there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then drive home on Fridays. Uh, and I did that for a little over a month. Wow. And that's when I realized I am not someone that can travel. Yeah. Um, my wife and kids just, they're too used to daddy and they couldn't handle it. So yeah. Yeah. Living, living out, out of a hotel. Case, and- oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, great Wi-Fi, but other than that, there's no good perks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and per diem, right? You get your meals paid for. I did. I get everything paid for, which was nice, you know, so I could splurge a little bit on the meals. You know, I think that's where I yeah. packed on a couple pounds as well. I was going to say, probably, so. probably not healthy eating at restaurants all the time. Def- definitely not healthy eating at restaurants all the time. Yeah. Spe- especially in my world where my wife is a, a very health conscious person. So she cooks very nicely, cooks really well food. Um, so yeah, it's, it was a, a big shift for us. Yeah. So the people who helped you get a job, what role did they play? The biggest thing was just knowing that I wasn't the only one out there, you know, that was really big. Like I knew a lot of people out there had lost their jobs, you know, but I went to a, um, basically, I don't know how to explain it, but basically it's a group that met at my local church that was all for unemployed people. And the idea is that you came in and you networked with other unemployed people, which was a really weird idea of like, well, you're unemployed and I'm unemployed. How do we compete? Yeah. You know? How do we help um, each other? Exactly. But that's, and that's where I learned. I was like, you know what? You, you really can, you know, because you know somebody or I know somebody, you know, we're not competing for the same job. You know, I mean, this room probably had 200 people in the room. And I guarantee you, I probably was only competing with one or two people. And even then, we probably weren't competing on the same levels. You know, even our, even the guys that were in quote unquote sales weren't competing against one another. And even if they were, there's this camaraderie of like, dude, I know where you're at or, you know, Hey, I know where you're at. Um, so it was really cool because I met a lot of people that were 
increased my network. And that's what it all is. It's all about increasing your network. But I was also able to talk to people. So when I made those connections and they referred me to somebody else or they connected me with another headhunter, that headhunter automatically elevated me an extra level because they'd already heard it from someone else, you know, and they, they got that kind of that, Hey, good job. You know, this guy's a smart kid. You know, he sounds pretty good. He, he's, he knows how to talk, you know, he's not, you know, just drooling all over himself or anything, you know, um, he's motivated. He's showing up to these meetings, you know, those kind of things. Um, and they learned a little bit about me and I learned a little bit about them. And, and that was really cool. And I've stayed friends with a, a few of those, you know, where I've got to continue to talk to them and everything. So having that group was really big. And then I met a couple of headhunters that were not motivated about placement. And that was really cool because they actually took me under their wing and were like, look, your resume, it's like 10 years old. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it really is. Yeah. The format was so wrong. I didn't even realize it, but the format was so wrong when I would upload it into these sites. Um, they were saying that I wasn't going to get the keyword density or I wasn't going to be able to this. I mean, the idea of where I was and where they are now has gone so automated and there's so much technology on the back end that literally you don't have to really know anybody as long as your resume is formatted right. And if you make it like a computer can read it, because that's all it's going to read it, yeah. you get calls. And it was amazing. I went from getting, you know, maybe 10, 15 calls on my resume to when I changed the format, I was like 20 to 50 calls. Wow. You know, it was yeah. just amazing how it changed overnight for me and everything like that. Um, but I would never known that if I hadn't talked to people, you know, and I, I got interview tips from these people and I got, you know, Hey, this search engine's better than that search engine. Or, um, these people are hiring, go, go hit up their website. People I'd never heard of or thought about. Um, and that was really cool, you know, being able to, to have that. And that's kind of like the catalyst of where fire before Christmas came from, you know? So fire before Christmas.com is going to be a podcast that allows those people that are unemployed to talk about themselves you know, to share their stories, share their struggles. Hey, what's working for you? What's not working for you? What do you like? What do you not like? You know, who's a headhunter that you would recommend others go look up? You know, I've got a guy that I love and I would refer him out left and right, yeah. you know, to people. And I'm sure others so have that both, same thing. So it's both a, a community and a podcast? That's the goal. I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, that's the idea um, is that, you know, finding community in anything is really important. And the podcast is just a medium to start to bring people together. So we run this podcast for who knows how long I get. I don't know how many interviews, you know, I've, I've got, I think two people as of today that are on the books to, to do an interview with. Um, and as that grows and the community grows, then we'll adapt and we'll figure out what more does this community need? Cause right now I have no idea. I don't even yeah. know if this podcast is going to work yeah. or if it's a good idea but, or not. I mean, it's a serious subject, but at this time, right, is probably the amount of people losing jobs at this very moment with the pandemic going on. And it's yes. going to be a hot, hot subject in the coming months. Definitely. Not, yeah. Not to make, not to make light of it, but no, no, of course good not. Timing, good timing. It, it is. And we, we see it, you know, you look at the unemployment rate that's skyrocketing through it. You know, you look at everybody that's going out for unemployment benefits, you know, and, and, I, I remember going through that. I mean, I, I, I had to file for unemployment, you know, I had bills that I still had to pay. Um, like for my, for example, my cell phone, I still had to pay my cell phone. Otherwise no one would get a hold of me. Um, and then we had to get healthcare for my kids because if something bad happened to them, I needed to have something to help out with that ever happened. Thank, thank God it never did, but still, I mean, and, and that was all 
a, a new world for me. You know, the idea of here I am, you know, 43 years old, uh, 42 years old and filing for unemployment. You know, that's a scary thing. Like how yeah, long am I going to be on this? With kids and a family. Oh yeah. 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 So, um, being able just to talk about that and put it out there, I think is, is therapeutic. Yeah. I think the tips will be in, invaluable to people going through it the first time too. That's, that's my, uh, my hope is that, you know, I don't want this to just be something that people that recruiters listen to, you know, um, if a recruiter hears it and, and, and likes it or a prospective uh, hiring manager hears it and loves the person now because they heard this thing, that's a bonus for us. Um, but for others that are unemployed to be able to hear this and hear the struggles and, and feel that camaraderie, I think is going to be really where the, um, the sauce is at for this whole thing. Yeah, definitely. So where are you at with the podcast? You said you have two, two guests. Sort so of I'm, yeah, I'm currently in the process of trying to build a list of people to interview. So that way I can kind of have a backlog. Um, I, I want to, I don't want to start publishing a podcast and not be able to follow through. Like I don't want to post one out there and then like it'd be a month before the next person shows up. So I'd like to get uh, probably, you know, five or more people at least on the book. So that way I could say, okay, well I'll post this once a week for right now. Yeah. You know? Um, so then that'll give me five weeks to find the next set of five or so forth and just kind of go forward from that. You know, back in the day when I was a blogger, that was kind of the, the rules that were given to me is like, Hey, Build yourself up a good chunk of blog posts, you know, uh, a week, you know, seven, 15, 30, however many you need, get those in the hopper, get those scheduled. So that way in the future, if you miss a day, it's okay because you've already got them scheduled and you can skip that day. Yep. And you You're going to get busy. Stuff's going to come up. and Totally. And since I'm doing this on my own, you know, I mean, like right now it's eight o'clock here in Atlanta, Georgia, and we're, we're recording this at, at night. This is how it's going to have to be for me for a while, because while I do have a little bit of flexibility in my job right now, when we all go back and start going back into the office, I can't say, I'm sorry, Mr. Client, I've got to take a break here for about an hour and a half to go record a podcast for something that has nothing to do with why you're paying me uh, and all that. So I want to be able to balance that work life and hobby balance as it goes through it. Yeah, right now we're just we're building up a list. I've got a very basic website, you know, uh, running WordPress, just got a, a landing page, um, got a, a newsletter subscriber on there just to kind of help gather the people. Yeah, that's great. Um, and then um, posting it to LinkedIn right now, trying to trying to get some traction there, uh, spending some time on Indie Hacker, trying to get some traction there, set up a Twitter account, which right now is just talking to a brick wall, but hey, we're gonna keep posting and seeing what happens. Yep, yep. Early on, you just gotta keep going until something catches. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing is just not getting beat down. And yep. the encouragement I've already gotten from people who have jobs about this idea tells me that I've got something that people that don't have jobs as they find it will will get behind it and everything. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. The thing you were saying about lining up guests and episode ideas is something that in my head I wanted to do as well. My problem was similar to your your Twitter statement. Like, I knew if I didn't just get started with a podcast and just pick up my phone one day and start recording, that I would keep putting it off and putting it off because scheduling something like this, this type of interview, if you didn't reach out, I would have probably been too shy to just be like, "Hey, who on this you know on this community wants to have a conversation on my podcast?" So. Yeah, I, I definitely could see it both ways. I just, in my head, I, I had to just start going and 
start recording and then see what happens. And yeah, and I am. I mean, one of the the other things that I've got going is that we're trying to develop a, a community around these things called temperaments, yeah. which temperaments are kind of they're like the foundation for personalities. So everybody knows DISC and Myers Briggs and Enneagram and all that. They're all based on on some levels, these things called temperaments, which are these core foundations of how you're hardwired, you know, whereas your personality can kind of change and be, uh, be affected by whether your work or home temperaments are really the core underlying. Um, and my temperament is very much a procrastinator. Mm-hmm. So, and John will tell you, you know, right off the bat, you got to stay on air. You know, I need someone to drive me. Yeah. And, and, and that's why I joined that community was because I needed someone to drive me. So I could very easily just be like planning for days and weeks and months. I mean, come on. I got fired in 2018. December 17, 2018, I got fired. December 22nd, 2018, I bought the domain name. This is now April 7th of 2020. Hello. That's why I had to ask ask what year you got laid off. (laughs) I was like, 2018 was two years ago. Yeah, it was, it's, yeah. I mean, I got busy and then we bought a house and everything else in that time frame. So I can make up excuses. Oh, but, I'm, the king, I'm the king of buying domain names and, and putting oh, them yeah. on. So. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I just got to learn how to profit from that. Yeah. Yeah. The, the joining the Yen community to kind of keep me accountable, that was more or less my plan too. It's kind of, I viewed it as like getting a personal trainer for the gym. Yep. It's sort of just someone or a group of people, which is what's nice about the cohort, the way that thing works is that you have a group of people going through it together and kind of motivating each other each day. So that's really nice. It is. And it's also nice because as you know, you know, with you starting the podcast, me starting a podcast and, and other communities, there's a lot of questions, yeah. you know, and you feel silly asking some of these questions. Like, you know, I mean, like I'm watching some of these videos that John puts out and I'm like, dude, what, what is your, what is your webcam? What are you using for that? And then he shows me a DSLR and I'm like, okay, you're rolling big on that. You know, I need to step back. And that's the other thing is like, you got to figure out well, what works for you. You know, it's like, I don't want to do video right now because all I have is the, the, the video for my MacBook and it's not that great. You know, I don't have lighting. I don't have that. I have a nice mic. So I've always known I wanted to do podcasting. Yeah. You know? um, so I have a really nice microphone and it does really well for me. Hopefully everybody listening to this agrees that, yeah, Eric sounds really, really I clear mean, and crisp. You sound know? great to me. So, you know, I, I knew that was like a key thing. It's like being a technology geek. I didn't want to go cheap on things that I knew I shouldn't go cheap on. Yeah. You know, so it's finding all those services and trying to do this remotely. You know, you've got this great system that you're using here. And I've looked at, you know, um, a a completely different one and everything. And I'm like, well, which one's better? What's going to what's the path that I want to take? So uh, being able to talk to people about that kind of stuff is really important. Yeah. And that's exactly what I'm trying to do. Not well. I guess I'll just plug my own community here. Yeah, get it out there, man. With this caster community. So I had been building these podcasting tools sort of just as a software engineer trying to learn something new in an industry that was exciting to me, right, in podcasting. And I spent a lot of time on it, developing these websites and tools, and they got put up, like deployed publicly, and absolutely zero people went to it. There's maybe one person a week would stumble upon this page because I sent out a tweet and they happened to see it. But the idea of building a community first was something in my head I knew was the right thing that I should be doing. But it's obviously more work for someone like me, who's a software engineer, a little more on the introverted side. 
just reaching out to customers and doing interviews on like what podcasting tools they wanted made was something that was just, it was in my head going to take too much time and too much effort, which really the idea of making a business should take time because you're dedicated to it. But yep. so yeah, now I'm starting this caster community because I've always wanted to start a podcast. I similar, like put it off for the last year or so. And I now want to, all the stuff that I've learned over the past month or so, I want to help people like you getting started, sharing all these tools that I've and resources that I've discovered. And it really isn't that hard, but podcasting is a fairly intimidating thing to get into, having to find a hosting provider, a microphone if you want it to sound crisp, you know, stuff like this to record a, a remote session. So I definitely saw that uphill climb that people had to do to get into podcasting. And I'm hoping this community is just like a way for people to network and and kind of help each other. Like, what what are you using now? Like, what what is your strategy to interviewing people? Going into this, I had no real strategy of how to interview someone on a podcast. And just networking with people is a way I think you can improve on that. So I'm trying to remember. So you use Squadcast for your remote stuff, which is cool. I'm trying to remember what the name of the one that I used is because it was a little different. I actually got it as a recommendation from my guy at work. So actually, I'm going to do something really weird here. I'm going to make this and go over and look on my work laptop to see what this was. But while we're doing that, why don't you tell me, as someone that's trying to go, you've you've got a mic. Have you gone out and actually bought yourself a good mic? Or what do you use? I I did buy the the Yeti Blue microphone. My first okay. podcast, which I uh, published yesterday, I actually just did on my Google Pixel cell phone. I walked around this room just pacing back and forth, kind of talking into my phone. And I used Audacity to then edit it, kind of clean up the, the audio a little. Okay. Um, but it came out sounding great for a cell phone. I mean, honestly, yeah, I could not could not expect any better from a device that's not made to, I mean, I guess it's made to intake audio, but um, so yeah, I got this microphone. I ordered it about two weeks ago. Um, so this is my first time really recording audio on it. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. I, I looked at the Yetis. Um, I had a friend that had a snowball and I was a big fan of the, um, um, the blues and all that. Sorry, I got to turn off all my notifications there. Man, see, environment. You got to get your environment ready. Yep. <laughs> wow. We are such rookies at this. <laughs> it'll it'll come with practice. with practice. I know. I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, the transparency, that's that's so key. But yeah, so I looked at the Yetis and loved them. I love the look of the blue. To me, it just looked like a cool mic. Yeah. But sure. I got out there and reviewing. And when I originally got the idea fired before Christmas, I wanted to um, do a lot of these things remote where I actually wanted to go out and, and meet somebody at a coffee shop or uh, at a, a co-work place, you know. Um, my dream job is to literally sit around and talk to people, you know, and get paid to do it, you know. So that's that was going to be feeding that idea. So I needed a mic that I knew that I could travel with and that would have good quality. And what I found with the Yetis is the base and everything of it um, just wasn't solid enough for me. And on certain people that when I tested the mic, I got weird, wicked feedback. And when I went out and looked at the forms and everything, it turned out to be because the bass in the mic would actually vibrate because of either the table or whatever, and it would cause problems. So I went out, I've got myself a Samsung G-Track Pro. Sounds really expensive. It wasn't. I think it was like 
maybe it was less than $200. It was about the same price, maybe even cheaper than a Yeti. Um, but man, this thing's base is like, I mean, if my wife ever got mad at me, she could clock me upside the head with this and the police would never know that that was the murder weapon. You know, <laughs> this thing is solid built. Uh, and that's what I love about it. Cause it is so solid that I know that, you know, I could hit on the table and yeah, you guys are going to hear that. But I mean, that it, self is not the mic itself is not going to be the thing that causes a problem. Um, uh, it's USB 3.0, I think. No, it's 2.5. USB 2.5. It's got the old printer, you know, the old printer cables. Oh, yeah. That little weird square looking thing. Yeah. That's the back end of it. I was like, this is kind of old, but it's nice, you know. Always find a plug for it. I actually believe my, yeah, the Yeti one, I think, has that as well. It must be something about that plug then. That, yeah. that does that. Um, I need to get myself a, uh, I don't know if I need to get myself a nice set of headphones. I mean, right now I'm just on some Apple AirPods, but I, I actually, a nice pair. I regret this because I can't hear my, I can't hear my own voice. It's canceling out the sound too much. So I don't know the volume I'm speaking and it's actually throwing me off as I, as I talk. So, okay, well, there you go. I'm going to stick with the AirPods then. So you, yeah. you've already made a change in my world. I know. Um, and then for my remote stuff, you know, I found Zencaster, Z-E-N. C-A-S-T-R dot com. Um, it sounds like it's a lot like Squadcast. Yeah. Uh, does Squadcast, when it's recording, are you going to get two tracks out of this recording? I do, yes. Excellent. See, that's what I really wanted was to make sure that I had two separate tracks, um, which makes sense because it's probably recording locally, and then it'll yep. upload, I guess, when we're done here. Yeah, I was wondering about that because a few times, I don't know if it's happened for me to you, but a few times you've kind of chopped, gotten choppy. Yep, same here. So I, I am hoping that the double track recording is going to not impact that at all. And that's I, and I'll be very curious to know. You'll have to do kind of a follow up yep. of the episode, as it would be on this one, because I know on Zencaster it records locally. Yeah, I think this does that too. Both people, and then at the end of the recording, it uploads them, and you have two tracks to deal with. The thing I like about Zencaster is they don't store anything really on their servers. Um, they give, I think a little bit of storage on this, but really they throw everything to like a Google drive or Dropbox or other cloud storage mechanisms you have and everything. So that's kind of cool. Now I noticed your intro, which by the way, loved your intro. I am definitely gonna have to record myself one of those as well. Cause I think that was great when you want to point people to the podcast and be like, well, why should I listen? Cause I do that now. I, my friends recommend all these podcasts and they're like telling me why I should listen, but I would really love if. I could go and find that intro one and always be able to just hear it from the author. Like, why did yeah. you do this? That's such a cool idea. So I'm stealing that um, nice. uh, to do my own intro. Um, and I don't remember where I was going to go with that. But um, yeah, the whole idea of the intro and all that stuff is is really cool. So I'm, I'm super stoked for that. Oh, and I know where I was going. You then posted that up to um, Spotify. I did. So okay. I'm using Transistor FM. Okay. I'm, I know the one of the founders of that. I'm involved in a community of his, uh, Justin Jackson. So I wanted a lot of these tools that I'm using. I'm I'm really just supporting people that I've kind of met. Uh, the Squadcast guys are active on indie hackers, um, so I, I figured I would try and support them versus a company that I knew less about. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, as I experiment with stuff, if some things are better than others, maybe I'll I'll switch, but. But yeah, so Transistor FM is the hosting service that I use. And so far, I, I love it. It's pretty much been perfect everything. There's just two co-founders working on it right now. Um, one guy does kind of front-end and marketing, and the other guy kind of does back-end and, and front-end, I, I assume. 
They have their own podcast, right? Something it, is there the SaaS Life one? Uh, build your SaaS. Is build your SaaS. Yep. Yep. I've listened to them. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty much one of the only podcasts that I consistently listen to every episode. So, yeah. But so yeah, do you have so, it tied to a blog at all, or are you literally just posting to Transistor? And then how many different mediums are you pushing out to? Yeah. So Transistor Auto published it to Spotify for me, which okay. was sort of yeah what I was getting at there. Um, then they give you a uh, sell, like hosted on their site, a a website landing page for all your episodes. I think it, it shows like the, it asks you how many you want to show. I think it's like the most recent 25 or, or whatever. So, and what I did was I can point a subdomain on my personal blog, which is just schoon.me.me. And so I did podcast.schoon.me and just posted that okay. landing page which is super convenient. I can, I'll send that to you later just so you can see how nice it is because yeah, I mean, I didn't look, there's so many, I don't know if you've seen me posting about, I made casterkit.com. It's kind of just like a GitHub repo of all of the resources that I've kind of landed on. There are so many hosting providers that you can choose from. Just picking one. I, I mean, again, if I didn't know the transistor guys somewhat, I probably would have just closed my eyes and pointed at, at one of them. Throwing a so, dart. Yeah. I mean, all of their features, it's hard to like differentiate which one offers more features than the other, which again, with this remote recording software, it's kind of the same. I have a list here of, I don't know, it's like 12 remote recording things. Zencaster's on here. Squadcast is on here. Uh, mm-hmm. Fusion, Fusioncast, I think I've heard of. And then obviously the big ones like Skype and Zoom. But yeah, I mean, comparing those features on them, I guess that's probably my next step of this GitHub repo would be to kind of add like features and pricing so you can compare the different resources here. But Well, the yeah. good thing about being on GitHub is that any of us can download it, make yeah. updates, and make my, yeah, my hope is eventually, yeah, there's some pull requests and people are contributing themselves as, as yeah. I get my community going and hopefully people want to contribute. So as the guy that's ahead of me, <laughs> Slightly a week. Hey, you're ahead. You're ahead, my friend. Um, what What is something that you would advise staying away from? Like, is there anything that's been that you're like, don't don't go there, don't do that? You know, I think the big regret I have is not having a set agenda of how I'm going to run my episodes. Okay, I'm. I wish I planned it out. Again, I sort of just winging it um, because I'd rather just make something and improve on it than yeah procrastinate and not have something because I've already procrastinated long enough. I might as well just throw myself out there. But one similar to this, right, where I'm interviewing you now, but I don't know the format of my podcast. I don't know if I'm going to do some solo episodes. That's one question I was going to ask you. Are you ever going to do solo ones? Is everyone going to be an interview? Do you? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and, you know, I never thought about it, to be honest with you. I just assumed I would have this uh, line out the door around the block of people that want to be on the podcast, but I know that's not going to be true. So I have thought about other interviews. So I guess, yes, I have thought about it. I have thought about other interviews and I've thought about, you know, well, Hey, let me get that my headhunter buddy on. Yep. Yeah. Let's have him talk about how you improve your resume real quickly or how you, you know, on LinkedIn, like for me being, you know, an old, old fuddy duddy to probably most of the people that are going to be listening to this, you know, or maybe not, you know, 44 is in my mind still young, but my daughter's it's not. Um, <laughs> I was always under the impression that in order to get a new job, you never let people know that you were without a job. So you kept your LinkedIn profile to say whatever your current thing was. 
And uh, the late the the headhunter did was like, dude, that's wrong. No, change your title to available, ready for interviews, whatever you need to do to let people know that you're actively looking. The people that hide it are currently in a job. You're not. You have no fallback from that. So I had to break that mindset, you know. And and I think again, having someone like him come on and say that, other than just me saying it, I think would give it a lot more credibility. So yeah, I want I want to interview people like that. I want to interview people that are retired. You know, like, what did you find about the the industry that you really loved? You know, what do you recommend for people out there now as someone that that hires, you know, talk to some hiring managers, as it would be, you know, so I, I think I've got a little bit of flexibility in the idea of it, you know, um, but always the idea is to always serve the community. And, you know, and those that is those people that are out there every day hustling because it is a job. It's a full time job. My wife it used to when I first started looking for work, she didn't understand how I could be on the computer that long. She's like, you don't have a job. I was like, yeah, but you'd be surprised. You know, it's like, there's so much you can be doing and there's always follow-ups and you're just going on LinkedIn and you're just like when you're trying to build a community, you know, commenting and liking Oh yeah, all that stuff is so important. It's the same thing when you're looking for a job, you know, you're on LinkedIn and you're making comments on people's things because you want your name to be seen. You want people to see that you're active. Yeah. Nowadays, it's almost like you have to create content like something like a podcast just to show that you have these skills, these networking abilities to grow your network on your own. So exactly, exactly. You know, and I think that's cool. I mean, that's the idea. And and just like you right now, you've got no format. I don't plan to walk in with like a set format. You know, I'm going to have I I hope to have, you know, a list of questions just kind of off to the side. So as we get to those points where we've got quote unquote dead air, as they say in the radio world, you know, I've got something to go to and I can go to that. But, you know, we're both you were both kinds of people that can just kind of feed off of a conversation. And I'm the kind of guy that never prepares for a presentation. Yeah, drives my wife crazy. What's funny is I have questions here, but if I asked you one of these, it would sound so out of sync of what the conversation is. So, you know, it's, it wouldn't just be naturally inserted into the conversation. So throw one at me then let's, let's, let's see how unnatural it would be just so people get an well, idea. Right now. A lot of the stuff were past. Um, it's around like the big thing was what's your motivation behind starting the podcast. Right. I think you, yep. you more or less said that I was going to ask some stuff about the personality test community that you, you brought up. Um, I guess, can, do you want to comment more on that? So Joshua, excuse me, Joshua tree living is the name of the company uh, and the the organization that we're using to start up this temperament thing. And, and really the idea behind it is that we have found over probably five to eight years with me and my wife doing just individual coaching and mentoring that we now have a framework, we have a vocabulary, uh, and we have some really, really good skill sets that we can share with others to make relationships better. Uh, and that relationship can be your marriage. You know, you may think you have a great marriage now, or you may be one of those people listening to this that's like, no, my marriage is an absolute joke. Um, the temperaments can save that. I mean, I, I, honest to God, I, I, we've coached married couples that are amazing, and they are just rocking it right now. Like, you're like, they're going to go far in life. They're going to be a great, great couple. Like, they're the people in their 90s that are still holding hands, and he's still giving her a little goose on the back end, as it would be, you know? <laughs> And then we've got other couples that literally it's like life support, you know, where we talk to them once a month and it's like, we have to keep feeding them a little bit just to just give them that little zap to get them back in line. But every time we give them something, they get zapped and they're back in line. 
but I've also used it at work. You know, I when I worked at a, a large fintech company, um, we I had a team that was very diverse, and I was over the PMO, and they seemed to always give me people that nobody else wanted to manage. So I had this group of people, these my my merry band of misfits, as it would be on some levels, that individually they were all amazing, amazing people. And they, I mean, when you figured out their temperament and you knew, hey, this is what would drive this person, man, they were unstoppable. Yeah. And and it it was like I had the Midas touch, people thought. And really I didn't. I just had a better understanding of who they are, how they're wired, and what motivates them. You know, it's all yeah. about motivation. And that's yep, that's the key to everything, right? Yeah. And and we have finding out what makes Exactly. And you have internal motivators and you have external motivators. And it's so common that we see people with an external motivation, you know? So external motivators in a relationship could be like, I'm gonna buy you, I'm gonna share you with gifts, I'm gonna take you out on nice dates. You know, it's all the stuff that we do when we first date somebody. But really on the back end of it, you gotta figure out what that internal motivator is. And that's what really drives you, and that's what really goes you forward. It's not gonna be money, fame, jewelry, gifts, flowers, candy. Well, maybe candy, but everything else, it's not gonna be there. But an internal motivator is something else. You know, it's like, why are we doing this podcast thing? Like my internal motivation is to help other people. It has nothing to do about anything else. Your motivation, help other people. That's not something that someone can give you to motivate you to do this. So you have to have that internal motivators. But you, if you don't understand how you're wired and what those those buckets of motivation are internally, how can you ever get them filled? Yeah. You know, And if you don't know the the thing that you do when you're not, in your place and you're not happy. Like for me, my temperament is procrastination. So when I start procrastinating, that's a gut check for me to go like, okay, Eric, what's going on? What's not right that you feel like the need to control this situation or control this outcome because of procrastination. And when I answer those questions, I'm maybe I'm not feeling, you know, valued. I'm not getting credit for work. I'm not getting support, you know, uh, whatever it would be, one of those motivators for me, then that's, when I figure out that is and I and I apply changes to get that, then my procrastination goes away and I'm able to move forward. You know, so it really is all about increasing relationships. It's all about making you the ability to the best person that you can be um, and really empowering teams in general um, to work the best they can with each other. You know, we've all worked in hard teams. We've been in software. I mean, I can't tell you how many back-end developers or database guys that I've just been like, I'm not going to go talk to Larry. Yeah. You go talk to Larry. Larry does not like me. Larry's sandwich. Someone ate his sandwich out of the fridge today. Nobody's talking to Larry today, you know, or, or, or Paul switched to diet Coke. He's not a happy camper. You know, I mean, those are the kind of things that are like, most people would just look at that and be like, Ugh, and, and run away. But when you recognize that, well, you know, so-and-so was this way because they really value loyalty and they feel like they're getting no loyalty from anybody because everybody's telling them what to do and how to do their job. There's no loyalty there. Well, I walk over to them knowing exactly what I need. I could walk over and say, hey, Larry, I need you to build a table and I need it structured this way and away you go. That's how a normal person would approach it. Someone that understands the temperaments and understands that Larry needs loyalty and he needs to have a sense of control and his temperament, I'm going to walk over to Larry and be, hey, Larry, I got a problem. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know how to store all this data. I've got this, I've got this, I've got this, and I got this. What do you think? How would you solve this problem for me? Well, dude, Larry's going to look at me and he's like, this guy wants to know how I do it. I have control over this conversation, this scenario. So he does it. And I say, you know what? That's a great idea. 
hmm, but what if we did this? And that's where I kind of toss in kind of what I would like, you know, like maybe I want it to be a, a mini to mini. I'm getting really geeky here, but maybe I want it to be a many, many connection because I've got something planned out that I didn't tell Larry about. I was like, well, what about if I turn this into a mini to mini? Because later on, I want to be able to do X, Y, and Z. Larry would be like, yeah, that's a great idea. That's really good. I'm like, yeah, I know, but I, I would never would have gotten that without your initial framework here. Your framework really set me up for success here to be able to recognize that. Boom, loyalty, credit for work. Right then and there, Larry is now my best friend. Larry's giving me Diet Coke and he gives nobody Diet Coke, you know? Um, and that's that's where knowing these temperaments can be so advantage of helping you out when it comes to relationships and, and just working better with people as it were. Yeah, that's super interesting. So the audience that you're targeting for that community, would it, do you picture it being couples or just anyone who's trying to understand relationships with? For me, our audience is anybody that wants to have a better self-awareness of themselves and wants to be able to um, com either communicate or work better with those around them as it would be. Ideally, I mean, it's hard. I mean, I know that's a very broad thing. And I know that a lot of our work is going to be with couples, you know, um, because let's just face it, that's that's an easy one. You know, couples automatically know when they have a problem, they need to work it out. The harder one will be that D-bag manager that all of his employees hate him and he doesn't understand why they hate him. Well, hopefully he finds us and we teach him why they hate him, you know, and it's not his fault. He just doesn't understand them. He thinks he does, but he doesn't really. And he he may have somebody assigned to the wrong role because of their temperament just doesn't do well in that role and everything. So it, it really is. It's it's a really big self-awareness journey. Yeah, I was going to say the manager has to be self-aware enough to know that that they need to seek something like that out, which is going to be the hard part probably. Exactly. And that's going to be the biggest challenge for us, you know, and that's something that we're trying to work through now and figuring out, well, how do we, how do we let that guy know that he needs help? Mm -hmm. you know, how do we do that? And we don't have an answer for that yet, you know, but I'm sure over time we'll get there. Um, but it's, it is something that me and my wife are just extremely passionate about because it really has helped us in our marriage. You know, I mean, um, I've seen it help other marriages, other couples, other relationships. And it's just really cool when you can have somebody coming to you and they're like, I need help. You know, I don't understand what's going on. And being able to turn them around and help them out. You know, and I think it's also a great thing for entrepreneurs, you know, like literally, you know, and I'll be happy to, I'll send you the test. It's not like it's not out there. On the, anybody can find a test like this out on the internet. It's just interpreting it as it would be. Yeah. I'll send you yeah. an Excel file that you can fill out and you'll know what it is right away. But knowing your temperament, I'll be able to explain to you exactly why you're the way you are and, yeah. and help you to understand, well, if I do A, B, and C, which are really easy for me to do, I'll feel so much better and I can help reduce my stress if I do these other things, you know, and that's really what it is, is just making you be better at whatever it is that you want to be better at. Nice. Yeah. I'm super into, I've like looked into pretty much all of those things. I actually just helped a friend who's an Enneagram coach set up her website and do all that stuff. I actually don't know as much about Enneagram because it's new and seems to be blowing up right now, but yeah, uh, right now. some of those other ones like Myers-Briggs and stuff, I've, I've always done those. And there's ones, my girlfriend, and I did the love language. Yep. One I've yep. The five love languages. Yeah. That's, and those are all rooted and that's where it is. I mean, the temperaments and anybody can hit up Wikipedia and look at the temperaments. They're, they're based on the Greek, uh, I think it was the Greeks, um, but it was way back then in, in Greek. And what it was is based on the four biles. So literally 
uh, the story I heard was that they would literally go up to someone, stab them in some levels, and look and see what color liquid came out. And that would let them know that's your temperament. So it wasn't an exact science then, yeah. but it's evolved. You know, it's very, very much a, um, uh, it's not really well regarded by psychologists. And a lot of psychologists will kind of shun it because it isn't proven. It doesn't have a lot of empirical data and stuff like that. But when you get into them and you start looking at them and then you see how DISC and Myers-Briggs and HBDI and even Enneagram are all kind of have these same flavors. Yeah, they're rooted in the same. Yeah, the, the difference is, is ours is just simple. And that's the key that we love about it. It's just dirt simple. It's kind of like, you know, instead of having a giant Microsoft project plan, you just have a notepad with four things that you need to get done today. That's the difference. You know, a lot of people are paying for those Microsoft project things, which are great. They give you lots and lots of insight, but it's really hard to interpret. It's really hard to go through. And with the temperaments, me and my wife, we can break it down super easy, make it something that you can literally turn around and be like, you know what? That's what that person is. And that's because I know that, or I, I hint at that that's what they are. Let me test it. Test your theory by doing a couple of things and you'll know. And once you know, Boom, you've got a better relationship with that person. You can offer them more grace because you know that they're not really that much of a hard ass. They're not really that way. They're just, they just really like to see things get done more than they care about you as a person. Not a bad thing. It's just how they're wired. You know? Like you said, you're just trying to help people. Exactly. Exactly. All of it comes down to how can I better help this person? Exactly. Exactly. So Which I think I think's great. It is. Cool. So I guess if there was action items that people listening to this episode wanted to take whether they just lost a job where could they check out that community so if they've just lost a job first off I, i'm sorry know what you're going through uh but check out firedbeforechristmas.com uh, i've got right now on the page just a simple form first name last name email and tell me a little bit about yourself just fill that out puts you into a, a mailing list uh not something i send out mail on so but just wait for me to manage it um, and it just lets me know that you're interested. And then I get out and I'm going to contact you within a few days and we're going to set up a time and we'll do just like me and you're doing right here. We're just going to talk, you know, and kind of jam things out. Um, you can email me at host at firedbeforechristmas.com or erj at joshuatreeliving.com. Uh, I'm, I'm open for anything. And if you look for me on LinkedIn, I'm Eric Ryan Jones. Awesome. And the podcast is going to be called Fired Before Christmas. Yep. The podcast will be fired before Christmas. The domain's fired before Christmas. The Twitter is fired before Xmas because they apparently limit you on the number of characters and I Christmas makes it too long. So it was either fired before Christmas <laughs> or fired before Xmas. So I went with the fired before Xmas instead. Cool. So good stuff. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you sitting down and being my first ever guest. No problem. We'll, uh, we'll keep chatting about your uh, podcast behind the scenes and Hopefully I can give you some recommendations as I awesome. get yeah, going. We'll, the, we'll have to do this. Uh, we'll have to do like a recap in like three to six months and be like, so how's things going? You know? Yeah, definitely. And so do you have an estimated time you want to try and get the podcast up by? Man, I want to have a million viewers tomorrow. <laughs> so you've I, got two guests scheduled. Are I've they got, I've got one guest for sure that I can get scheduled. I have another one that she hasn't quote unquote lost her job yet, but she's going to be rolling off in, on Friday. So she'll be interested after that. Um, I've got a guy that I'm talking to on Thursday. Um, he has been unemployed for over two years. Um, and he's going to be one that I really want to get on. Cause it's just, I, I would love to have his point of view on 
hey, how are you doing that? You know, obviously he's in a dual income household, you know, but still, I mean, it's really would be interesting to, to hear more about his journey. Um, and then I've got others that I can, like I said, reach out to to kind of fill in the gaps as it would be and everything. But, you know, again, I'd like to get to a point where I have at least five solid interviews of some form um, that I can start publishing. And if, if ideally they'd be five unemployed people, but if I don't get five unemployed people, then I'll just start what I've got. And and just a little background. Uh, the other thing that those of people that actually join and, and say they want to be interviewed, it's not just a podcast. You know, my goal is to also create a one pager for them on the website um, that kind of gives some very basic bio information. Uh, we'll have a link to the podcast so they can watch so they can anybody that comes to it can li- listen to it. So it could be like, you know, firebeforechristmas.com slash Eric Ryan Jones. And you'd see a podcast about me. And there's going to be a full transcript, which we didn't talk about transcripting services. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to, what, I'm gonna try, what do you uh, use for that? A company called Descript. Yep. I think. I've, um, I've played around with it. I've played with it because I like it because you can edit your podcast at the same time that you're editing the text, which to me is means that makes life a little easier. So I'm going to give them a try and see what they go. Nothing else. They're a great system that will allow me to at least get a first pass of the transcript. And then I can go through there. You know, there's other transcripting services out there like Rever. Um, Rever's really good. They're a little pricey in my book right now, um, but they're, they do really good work, you know. Um, and it's all human back transcripting. That's why it's a little bit more. But it's really cool um, the way they do it. And I think they, they're coming out with an automated way as well. Mm-hmm. But it's a great first pass. And that's the yeah. biggest. You know, Descript blows me away there. Technology is super cool. So cool. You know, Um, I'm waiting for the point that I get enough data into their back end that I can actually start writing words and my voice comes out with those words. That's what's going to be really freaky. We're living in the future. We are. Next, we don't want, they won't even need us. They'll just come up with a podcast on its own. Just AIs will just make it up as they go along. Cool. Well, I guess we'll wrap it up here. All right. Awesome uh, chatting with you and we'll keep in touch. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate it, buddy.